Hello and welcome to another mini-sode. Today, we're talking about nurse staffing ratio legislation in Michigan and the impact it could have on rural hospitals. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm J.J. Hotshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. So, J.J., Nurse staffing ratios are a hot topic right now, not just in Michigan, but in other states around the country because of proposed legislation that would mandate staffing ratios for hospitals, nurse staffing ratios in particular. Um, Now, Wisconsin had some legislation on the table for this. It was recently um, adjusted to to remove mandatory staffing ratios from that. Um, But Michigan still has some of this legislation on the table. Before we get into the challenges of this type of what I would call legislatively directed healthcare, yeah, um, which just that unfunded, is a, a, a concern to mandated, think about. but unfunded. Yeah. Um, let's lay the foundation here. So, what are nurse staffing ratios, and why is it such a prevalent topic right now, in particular? Well, first of all, uh, nurse staffing ratios, it's nothing new to our industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, uh, here at even Hillsdale, you know, we have. We we have we have a metrics and the metrics basically says that for X amount of patients, mm-hmm. we know how many nurses we need mm-hmm. and how many certified nursing assistants we need. And then if you've got a monitor tech, then you right. have a full staffing on that particular floor based on the total number of patients. And for right. example, if we have four patients per nurse mm-hmm. and you only have three patients Right. And four nurses were scheduled to work that day. We low census them. Right. That's how we afford to do the work that we do in the business that we're in. Right. And when we low census an employee, that means that we don't have enough patients uh, for the the caregivers to get in there eight or 12 hours. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, um, until patients come into the hospital, which they can mid shift, we keep those staff on low census and we don't have to pay for it. This is how we flex, float, and rotate our staff to ensure right. that we're meeting our, you know, obviously financial objectives because mm-hmm. you can't just have over staff, right? Right, right. So we've based those numbers off of research, studies, internal reviews, mm-hmm. the acuity of the patient. Right. Does the patient need a one on one sitter? Is the patient able to get up on their own? You know, all the factors. And each of them have, basically, it's a grid. Each of them have a scoring guide. And mm-hmm. we know, all right, that patient needs a one-on-one. Right. Okay? Right. They're going to get up. They're confused. Uh, they have dementia. So in that case, you place someone in the room. And right. they sat with that patient all the time. And then the nurse comes in and, and does their vitals and other things. So nurse ratios in and of themselves for hospitals have never been something that we have shied away from right? because we know, all right, how many nurses do we need working today? Right, right. That's how we make sure that we are taking care of the patients that we have when we have them. But it's my decision. And it's right. the organization's decision. Right. And More it's than in likely, consort. it's Megan's decision, well, our no, chief nursing officer, right. right, who's overseeing that day-to-day, minute-to-minute. Absolutely. Minute. And We're it's seeing in that consort. too, but she's really the one who's most engaged No, it's that. our decision locally, mm-hmm. is my point. Mm-hmm. Hillsdale Hospital gets right. to make the decisions about how they want to staff both their inpatient and the skilled nursing facility. Right. Okay? And how we want to staff our obstetrics and how we want to staff the critical care unit. Mm-hmm. Those are our decisions right. that we make based on what we have in front of us, the information such as acuity of the patient, you know, what the level of acuity is in terms of what kind of needs do they have on a continuous basis. And so we make those decisions, Rachel. We've Mm -hmm. done this for decades. Yes. Nothing new. Now, that's local. Right. We have never had an organization, an entity, a government come in and say, you must 
staff at this because all of our hospitals throughout this country mm-hmm. are all unique. Right. What I experience here in Hillsdale is much different right. than what metropolitan Detroit would face. Mm-hmm. Different patient population, different resources. Everything is different. Different workload for yeah. your nurses. Yeah. So it's not a one size fits all scenario, but that mm-hmm. is what some of the legislation we're going to talk about today tries to do. It tries to fit them all into one. Right. And it tries you have to, to standardize something that cannot yeah. be standardized. Absolutely. So, you know, now that's the concept right, right. of nurse ratio staffing, right? Now we talk about all the challenges that mm-hmm. we have faced even pre-pandemic, but now post-pandemic. Right. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, I think one of the reasons that this is such a hot topic of conversation right now um, is because COVID was really hard for everyone working in healthcare, and especially for nurses on the floor. It was mentally, emotionally, physically draining. It was a very difficult three or four years. Um, that everybody went through. And there were times where nurses were stretched very thin and it's tough. And even now we are facing a shortage of nurses in the healthcare industry overall, right? For a number of reasons. Some people retired early during the pandemic. Um, Some people left the industry altogether during the pandemic um, because they just got burnt out. And so, and we already knew a shortage was coming in healthcare for nursing in Mm -hmm. particular. We did. But the pandemic just sped that up, essentially. It did. did. Um, So I think that's part of it, that it has just been a very difficult several years. And so there's just this is the kind of issue that is going to tug on people's heartstrings because of everything we've all been through. Right. Over the last three years. So I think that's part of why it's got so much traction right now. Um, But, you know, this is something that is being proposed by nursing unions. Sure it is. As a solution to the nursing shortage. And there's a few key arguments for why this would be a solution Mm -hmm. to the nursing shortage. So those arguments tend to be it would bring more nurses back into the workforce if they felt like they were going to have safer staffing. It would help with recruiting to that state because nurses would want to work in that state because of the safer staffing, so so to speak. Um, And then it would create safer patient care. But we have some evidence to, uh, Mm -hmm. to, to talk about when it comes to each of those issues. So let's kind of break those down and talk through them a little bit. The first one about bringing nurses back into the workforce, um, I have a little bit of data here on mm-hmm. that. So mm-hmm. for Michigan in particular, um, right now, 75% of licensed nurses living in Michigan are working, living in Michigan are working. Mm-hmm. 33.5% of them are 55 years of age or older, of all licensed nurses in, in Michigan are 55 years of age or, or older. So it's not like we've got a bunch of people who are early and mid-career who are, you know, sitting at home waiting for staff ratios to go back no. to work and to no. go back to nursing. No. Right. So that's not really going to solve the issue. Um, the other thing is of the licensed Michigan nurses, there's also a big number on that. I think it's around 50,000 Michigan nurses who are licensed but are not working in nursing. Those are not necessarily people who are living in Michigan. No. Which is why that number, 75% of those living in Michigan, is really important. Um, and with the number of them who are, again, older, some are even retired mm-hmm. and are likely not going to re-enter the workforce, but they just maintain their license because they can, right? Right, right. Um, so that is is part of that. It's really, when it comes to bringing nurses back to the workforce, the assumption that there are a ton of nurses out there who would come back to the workforce yeah 
is not quite accurate. No, and and this concept of let's mandate additional coverage, which means hiring additional nurses um, for a one size fits all, you have to consider we are already struggling to your point that there is not enough nurses today to meet the employment demands of the healthcare industry. Let's just take Michigan, for example. Right. Michigan hospitals are trying to fill 27,700 yes. open positions right now. Right. Including 8,500, which of those 27,000 are nursing positions. Right. And we are not filling them. Right. The same here at Hillsdale Hospital. We're not even able to fill the positions we have today. Right. And so the concept of let's add more requirements that we have to have more staff. Where are we going to get those staff? Right. What's going to happen? What's going to happen is they're going to mandate that those staffing levels exist. And if you don't meet those staffing levels, what do you do? You, well, with the way this Michigan legislation is written, and granted, legislation is written usually to the furthest extreme, so it can be negotiated down, right? But penalties. the way that it's written, these penalties are tens of, tens thousands, of thousands of dollars a day yep. per violation. Yep. So per nurse that you are missing, according to that staffing ratio, per day, yep. tens of thousands of dollars Absolutely, that would truly close hospitals, yeah. if not, well, close beds, if not right. close hospitals, right. right? Right. So so what you know is it's going to shut down beds, right? right? And what's going to happen is you're not going to generate revenue for those hospitals that are already struggling. Mm-hmm. Hospitals are already losing money. And it is now magnified the problem so that we lose hospitals. And I'm not right. being dramatic. Right. The reality of it is this will cause hospitals to close. Mm-hmm. We know it will. And as a result of that, what happens in that case? Communities are devastated. Right. Let's think about, it's not just about nurses that are at hospitals. They play a vital role, but also we have certified nursing assistants and you have techs in every department, you know, radiology techs and and cardiopulmonary techs and all of those techs, very, very important positions and very important roles. Mm -hmm. And the only advocacy that we're getting out of the legislature is add more nurses when there's a nursing shortage. Right, right. It is. It's like add more nurses. We're trying. Absolutely. Right. Well, you have to, but we're trying, right? I mean, that yeah. doesn't really. It isn't. It doesn't the work. Problem. No. And a national shortage of nurses right now, 1.1 million. Yeah. It's Rachel, huge. Rachel, nurses have choices today. Right. And for hospitals to be mandated that they have to have a certain amount when they can't the country cannot find nurses. We're scouring. We're working right. with universities, working with colleges, trying to increase it, trying to move right. people from LPN to RN, mm-hmm. trying to move mm-hmm. people from Cena to LPN to RN, all the segues, all of the pipeline. And it's still not enough. Right. We still have situations in our rural communities where there's not enough nurses to staff those beds. And as a result, patients suffer. Mm-hmm. Let's not lose sight. This legislation will create an environment in which patients suffer because hospitals will shut down beds and patients Mm -hmm. will not have access. Now, some people are going to try to argue that, no, it's better care. Is there proof that there's better care with better nursing ratios? Well, in fact, it's the opposite. The evidence on this, and I do want to mention, too, um, the idea that this will help with recruiting nurses, by the way, there's no evidence that would make a difference. California has had mandatory staffing ratios for 25 years now, they still have a shortage of 40,000 RNs. So it's not like people are, like nurses are flocking from all over the country to go to California because they have staffing ratios, right? Right. Where staffing ratios are, are kind of being described as if they are the reason that nurses 
will come back or the reason that nurses have left, which is not necessarily true, right? It's always a, a bigger, more complex issue than that. Um, but in terms of the safe care that you mentioned, um, there was a study done in Massachusetts. This was a peer-reviewed study. Yep on the impact of mandated ratios in ICUs in that state. Um, and it found that government mandated ratios did not reduce mortality, had no effect on nursing sensitive measures like bloodstream and urinary tract infections, yep. pressure ulcers, falls. And in that same study, they found that the implementation of that law resulted in hospitals reporting increased wait times. Yep. Patients sure. boarding in emergency departments. Absolutely. Delayed transfers of patients into ICUs. Delayed care, which leads yep. to bad outcomes. Clinically unnecessary patient transfers between hospitals because everyone's trying to, you know, shift things around to make it work. Yep. And this just breaks your heart. In neonatal ICUs, they were having to split up twins if one infant required a more intense level of care. It's just sickening. Right. And, and sickening. in California as well, um, the mandated ratios did show an increase in nurse staffing, which makes sense, but the outcomes for hospitalized patients did not improve, even with the increase in nurse staffing. That's right. So it tells us that the idea that this would create safer patient no. care, that might it's be the accurate. case if you're going from one extreme to another, right? But the significance of these types of differences in staffing yeah. ratios versus what hospitals Doesn't are already doing, move it's the not the solution. No, it's not. It's not at all. So the question then, Rachel, becomes what's the solution? Because mm -hmm. we are facing, you know, unprecedented times. I right. understand that. Nurses feel that they're they're overworked. I understand that. Mm -hmm. As well as every other position right. in well, healthcare right now. Before we get into this, let me just say, um, to be fair, there are probably some bad actors in hospitals Without when it comes to staffing ratios that are intentionally staffing too lean yeah. to save money. Yeah, that's sad. It's it's terrible. Yep. And so we're not going to sit here and act like all hospital, you know, administrators and nurse leaders are doing the right thing all the time. But the majority are. They are. Absolutely. So the the issue is instead of penalizing hospitals in Michigan, right, from a, a broad stroke of the legislative pen, uh, instead of punishing them and potentially closing those hospitals and or significantly impacting their ability to give raises to the other departments. Right. Here's two things I want to comment on. The first, the first that I want to comment on is what would happen if it is imposed? Right. Let me tell you. So what would happen, Rachel, before we talk about what we should do? Well, here's the situation. If the government mandates that I have certain staffing ratios, mm -hmm. I'm going to have to comply, right? Right. Or I don't get government money. 70% right. of my pay mix is Medicaid, Medicare. And I get fines that, by the way, the way the Michigan law is written. Yeah. The fines would go to the state. They would yeah. not go, they don't go to, to nurses. Nurses. They don't go to nurses. Just they don't go to the. To put that out no, there, it, it wouldn't to go state. to education. Oh, it wouldn't Lord, go no. to fixing the pipeline issue. It would just go to the state. No, no not at so, all. So, sorry, continue. No, no, no. You're, to your <laughs> point. So then you have an issue where I have to balance a budget. Mm -hmm. um, to keep you, the doors open, to by keep the, the way. Doors this open. is to keep the doors open. This is not to buy 12 vacation homes no, for every executive. No, no. There's, unfortunately, we're... Well, not here at least. <laughs> we're losing money, right? Yeah, right. So hospitals are losing money. And as a result, uh, what's going to happen is I have to operate within the current you know, structure of my budget, which means I have, let's say, 100 staff for med surge. Let's just use that as an example, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And now they're telling me that of the 60 nurses that I have that I need to have 80 nurses. Mm -hmm. Guess what I'm going to have, Rachel? Still 100 staff. Right. How am I going to do it? Well, guess what's going to happen to nursing across the country? Uh, you'll see hospitals in order to sustain this. This is what they're going to do. Nurses 
will be now monitor techs as well as nurses. Oh, they'll also be certified mm-hmm. nursing assistants as well as RNs. Mm-hmm. They're going to clean the rooms when they're done. They're going to make sure meals are delivered. They're going to make sure that uh, they are part of the environmental services. There's no other way to do it. Right. When you talk about a cost structure like we operate on right now, where hospitals are not even getting reimbursed for the cost of doing business, you cannot sustain additional losses right. and still stay open. Right. So there's only one way to do it. The one way to do it is, all right, we still have 100 people. And the irony of it is that what is intended to beef up the staffing on a floor is actually going to result in a much leaner team. A leaner team doing a lot more things that they never, ever thought they would have to do. We're going to teach them med reconciliation. And that is not what their skill set is and not the area they want to be working in. And it just won't be Hillsdale. So so someone could argue, well, then no one's going to work for you, JJ. This is going to happen across the country. Right, right. If states enact this across the country. Right. We're going to see the shift. And we've already we witnessed the shift before in other states where it's like, all right, I got 100 staff and I'm still going to have 100 staff. How am I going to be able to do this? Well, that means you're going to assume this responsibility and that responsibility. So I just wanted to highlight that, Rachel, as really one of the points of, Yeah. yeah, they could mandate it. But we also have on our end, we have some tactics that we can deploy as well, which are, again, they're, it's going to impact nurses negatively, in my opinion. Right. It's and, not going to let them practice at the top of their license. And hospitals. There's yep. no real, I mean, there's no demonstrated positive outcome from this with the states that have already done it and with the studies that have been done. The results are just not there. Yep. Um, and so while it sounds like a good idea, it's being proposed as a solution to a problem that it really has nothing to do with. Absolutely. Right? The issue of a nursing shortage is wholly unrelated to staffing ratios totally. and how they're being developed, right? Totally. Um, and the other thing I think it, that's important to point out is skilled nursing facilities. Skilled nursing facilities Ugh. are hurting for RNs even more than hospitals yes. are. Yes. And if this passes, then hospitals are going to suck them dry of the nurses they have left yep. because we're going to have to have them to function, to yep. operate. Yep. Um, and then... Where are all of our patients going yep. to be left who need skilled nursing care, who need long-term care and rehabilitation and all of these things that are done in skilled nursing facilities, not nursing homes, but skilled nursing facilities, they're going to be closing left and right because yes. they will not be able to have they can't. the patients or won't be able to staff the beds. They therefore, can't they can't the have the patients. Yeah. And again, you're going to have, you know, people who are staying in a hospital bed too long because they can't get to a sniff. And then your issue of already struggling to staff your hospital beds yeah. because of staffing ratios because even becomes even bigger because you can't turn your beds quickly enough right. and appropriately for the care that the patient needs. Right. Right. So it just compounds the issue. And listen, I'm I'm a little um I guess I'm a little offended that the union or the state feel that they know my hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, better than I do, number one. Because we've already implemented flexing nursing schedules. Mm -hmm. We have implemented uh, opportunities for the staff uh, during COVID um, to have different reliefs. Uh, We call it uh, stabilize our staffing ratios. Mm -hmm. We've we've paid incentivized staff uh, when it comes to uh, picking up extra shifts to try to get them to understand that we have to have coverage and that we are not just abandoning you. So so I'm a little offended by that because we have implemented some of those models. Right. Uh, we've also invested in higher education to our staff and yes. for our staff. Yeah. That's been an important partnership. We've also reached out to universities and colleges over the mm-hmm. last several years mm-hmm. to partner with them. We're and a teaching hospital, you know, as it relates to absolutely. Yeah. So I'm a little offended that they think that they can solve the problem that we've been working on, you know, for many, many years here to right. try to in you know, look at reinventing, you know, that pipeline and how can we incentivize people to go back to school that are 
are working? And then how do we incentivize youth that are in you know junior high and high school right. to want to become nurses? We've been doing that, Rachel, so I'm a mm-hmm. little offended. But there are some actual options instead of punitively punishing hospitals uh, and solutions, you know, range. And, right. and um, I think if you have any, why don't you just kind of go over a couple of those solutions yeah. that we would propose? Yeah. So one of them is for Michigan to join the National Nurse Licensure Compact, which would reduce barriers for out-of-state nurses to move to and practice in Michigan immediately. So right now, out-of-state nurses would have to come into Michigan and get licensed in Michigan before they can apply for a job, get a job, right? And the ideal scenario when you're moving, especially out of state, is that you have a job when you get there so that you can, you know, buy a house and sign a mortgage or sign a lease, right, exactly, than to have to move there, scrape by for a little bit while you get licensed in that state, right? Um, So that would make a big difference if we were able to do that because it would expand our our potential talent pool to the entire United States of America. Um, for immediate work, people who can come in and hit the ground running. Um, Another piece is updating some of the provisions in the Michigan Reconnect program. So in Michigan in particular, and by the way, these are all solutions that are proposed by the Michigan Health and Hospital Association that we, of course, support as well. JJ serves on that board. I served on the legislative policy panel for MHA. Um, So with Michigan Reconnect, right now, that covers the cost of tuition to a community college for an associate degree or a Pell-eligible certificate mm-hmm. um, for individuals who are 25 years of age and older. Mm-hmm. So what we would like to see is the eligibility for that being uh, for those who are 18 and older, so lowering that age requirement, Lower it. Yep. Um, and then also expanding that availability to include four-year institutions yep. and four-year degrees. Yep. So that way we can have, you know, ADNs and BSNs and coming BSNs. in through that program. Right. And we just expand because some people want to go straight for their BSN, right? Sure. Um, so that would give us more more opportunity there and how quickly we can fill and build and yeah. bring people through that pipeline. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then the other thing that is a pretty big topic of conversation right now, we're fortunate that we have not seen a lot of this Correct. Um, here in our community. I, you know, typically want to say, is this more likely in urban areas? But I've quite frankly, have no idea. Um, But we would like to see increased penalties for violence committed Mm -hmm. against healthcare workers. Mm -hmm. We have seen an increase in that since COVID across the industry, Mm -hmm. which is scary. Um, It's unfortunate. It is really not something our healthcare workers should have to be dealing with or thinking about as they are going through their day-to-day and taking care of patients. So we want to see that change because in general, that will make this a more attractive career field. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And there was a recent article uh, written by uh, uh, Rob Reiney, and uh, it was talking about uh, Rob is CEO of uh, Henry Ford. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a health system in Michigan yeah, for those health. who are out of state and not sure what we're talking about. Yeah, not and the car company, the health no, system. No, exactly. And uh, very, you know, very compelling article about. Uh, the discussion on safety and, you know, it was, it's basically in the wake of some shootings across uh, Michigan mm-hmm. and just some concern for uh, the industry that we're in, which is healthcare and the the assaults on healthcare professionals, not just nurses. Right, uh, right. But this is happening to security. This is happening to healthcare and psychiatric units uh, mm-hmm. and other places. And so uh, taking- There's been some OSHA violations there has or been. OSHA fines recently fines, that have come out yeah. for violence against healthcare workers yeah. when the hospitals didn't have right. adequate resources 
right. police. And, and local prosecutors now are prosecuting on crimes uh, where healthcare is assaulted. So a lot of opportunities uh, for us to rally behind uh, supporting the safety and security of our nurses to create an environment where they want to work. And that's mm-hmm. going to be so important because it, that, that to me has a lot of value when you know that you're going to rule Hillsdale County and that they are responding adequately, quickly, and, and, and justly to individuals who are threatening. And we have posters and policies and we have posters mm-hmm. plastered throughout this facility and policies on how to handle this and protocols. Uh, and we take serious uh, any threat to health care. And we, we do forward it for law enforcement mm-hmm. to have uh, the prosecutor uh, issue a warrant uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, to trial them in court because we want our day in court to say it's inappropriate to mistreat health care right. workers in this right. capacity. And you cannot do it with, you know, just complete impunity. No. No. So a lot of work is around those those key elements to keep nurses safe. So when we talk about nursing shortages, we talk about a, you know, a, a problem that's that's impacting this entire country. And it's only going to be aggravated by uh, legislators uh, sitting in state capitals across this country making decisions that they have no understanding about. Truly, Rachel, they have no understanding about it. And then unions who want to justify their existence primarily uh, want to be able to enforce this to show their membership Mm -hmm. that look what we got for you. But what do you get in the long run? You get uh, a tired workforce. You get a workforce that's now doing senior work. You get a workforce that, uh, you know, isn't proving that they're any safer, according to the studies. Very, very concerning. It's very misleading right now. This is is. very misleading. It is. And, you know, what we would love to see is for the nursing unions to join hands with hospitals uh, here in Michigan on our efforts to bolster the talent pipeline and to make nursing a more attractive career field in Mm -hmm. some of the areas that we have just talked about as alternative solutions. Right now, those are really being proposed and advocated for by MHA. The nursing unions have not engaged on those particular issues, so we would love to work with them on that um, and see some of these things come to fruition um, to help benefit, you know, the nurses that they serve and the nurses that that we work with as well um, and that serve our patients. And if you're listening here in Michigan, we would encourage you to contact your state legislature. Yes. Uh, And if you have a senator you know or a state representative you know, please reach out to them. Or if you don't know, call them anyway. Call them anyway. Have their uh, office know what your position is. Let them know that this is bad, bad for hospitals, bad for patients. Right. Uh, that's that's most important. That's really what it comes down to is the result of this is less patient care available. Yeah. It will increase the issue we already have with access to patient care in the name of saying it's going to make patients safer. And it's it, unfortunately, it's just really not going to do that. Not going to do it, Rachel. It's not. So, you know, obviously uh, may it, ha- it may have had uh, some well-intended thoughts behind it. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, uh, ideas, thoughts, and legislation have consequences. Mm -hmm. And we just have to be uh, advocating that this is not good for our Michigan nurses. Right. We want our hospitals to be able to keep their hospitals staffed safely according to the needs of their patients and their communities. That's right. 
Thank you for joining us for today's mini-sode. If you have a topic or issue you want us to cover on a future mini-sode, shoot us an email at marketing at hillsdalehospital.com. You can also find Hillsdale Hospital on Facebook and Instagram. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen too. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. You can also find us now on Twitter. I'm at Hillsdale CEO, JJ. Rachel's at Rural Health Rach. And you can also follow our podcast at Rural Health Pod. Until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, and a proud member of the Health Podcast Network. Hosted by JJ Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. For more episodes, interviews, and more information, visit ruralhealthrising.com. 